today's founder almost didn't make it on the show because, well, investors really like this thing called money, or at least some hope of revenue to come at least sometime soon. So naturally, when we're deciding which startups to bring on the show, we look for the money, honey. Hopefully they've tried to sell their product to someone at some point. But today's founder, Josh Israel, hasn't sold anything, and he won't see any revenue for at least another three years. His company is called Hava Health, and they've created a new way to help people stop smoking. And with 32 million Americans wanting to quit, the problem is searing hot. But they need permission from the federal government before Josh can start selling to customers. Let's see if any of our investors are willing to take the risk. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Today's investors are... I'm Nimi Katragata. Nimi is a partner at Box Group, where they've invested $100 million in over 400 startups, including Orby Parker. I'm Al Doan. Al built several e-commerce brands. Two of them do over $100 million in annual sales. And now he's an angel investor. I'm Sheil Manat. Sheil has sold three startups for over $50 million. Now he's an angel investor, and he's backed several companies worth billions today. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $45 million in over 100 startups to date. The pitch for Hava Health is coming up in just a moment. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, here we go. Hey. Hey. Josh. Shield. Josh. Hey, Charles. Nice to meet you. Nibby. Josh. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Ow. Josh. Give me a second here. <laughs> In what some may consider a power move, Josh takes a drag out of what looks like an e-cigarette. Through a thick cloud of white smoke, Josh begins his pitch. This is going somewhere. <laughs> this is, this going is going great. somewhere. <laughs> Please before, let this be going. Before you judge me for smoking this, <laughs> know that this is our way of fighting fire with fire. Fire, in this case, being nicotine addiction. I'm Josh Israel. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Hava. And at Hava, we're solving nicotine addiction through technology. We're building a connected vape pen that pairs with a smartphone application to automatically and gradually wean people off nicotine addiction through minimal effort on their part. We do this with a patent-pending design that allows us to burn nicotine oil while inversely burning clean oil, thereby giving our users or patients a consistent smoke experience as we automatically regress their nicotine intake. The idea here is just smoke our device however and whenever you want, and we'll handle the entire cessation process for you, reducing withdrawal symptoms and relapse rates. Hava is kind of like the anti-Jewel, and it's way smarter. It uses little plug-in pods like the Jewel, but these actually have two chambers. One is filled with nicotine oil, and the other a clean oil without any nicotine. You can just smoke it like any other e-cigarette. But there's a twist. The Hava e-cig actually pairs with an app on your phone, and the app gradually decreases the amount of nicotine you inhale. And the idea is that slowly, over time, you become unaddicted to nicotine. 
We started this company just a little over nine months ago, and in that time, we've made incredible progress. We've put together a fully functional hardware prototype, as you see here today, mobile applications on iOS and Android. We've had our first interaction with the FDA because this will be a regulated drug. Happy to say that we recently closed our pre-seed round of $1 million. So I'm here today to look at potentially oversubscribing that round with investments up to $250,000 to further product development while we go through our preclinical phase. What a strong intro, man. Yeah, I love, love the intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You did a great Kudos job. To you, Josh. Can you give me a sense for the range of smoking intensities where you think your product can make a difference? So every smoker is different. So we have to be able to account for someone who smokes two packs of cigarettes a day or someone who smokes for six, six cigarettes a day, for example. And so what we do when we onboard you into our product on our mobile app, we ask you the type of smoker that you are. Of course, you can lie. You probably don't want to say that you're a horrible smoker. So what we do for a week is actually what we call a control week. So we truly understand your habits by you just smoking our device. If you're smoking 100, 200 times a day, we're going to know that you're not a light <laughs> smoker problem. like you said, right? And so from there, we kind of set our baseline nicotine and regress you from there. So if you're a heavy smoker, it might take you six to eight months. If you're a medium smoker, it might take you four to six, for example. And should we really be thinking of this as an alternative to a nicotine patch or gum or used in complement with some of those smoking cessation products? I would say we want to disrupt those products. So those products are very unsuccessful. Like if you look at the success rates for the patch or the gum, it's five to 15%. People try seven to eight times with those products on average to quit. They don't work. So we're looking to deliver a product that's actually going to help people truly quit. And are those products, do they not work because of client adherence or because they're just fundamentally not effective? Uh, so it's both. So yeah, compliance is a big problem for them because you know they actually jump people. If you look at the past, they jump you from 24 milligrams to 14 milligrams. In that big range, people have a lot of withdrawal symptoms, right? And then on top of that, they're not delivering nicotine as rapidly as a combustible cigarette does. Moreover, they're not giving the smoke inhalation, the yeah. oral fixation, everything that you get out of this social smoking aspect, right? So we're trying to deliver a parallel experience and gradually reduce you. So we can take you, let's say, from 24 to 23.9, or you're not going to get those withdrawal symptoms. Is this something that once the switch is made from a nicotine oil to a non-nicotine oil, do people continue to smoke it? Yeah, so that's what we're calling our post-addiction plan, right? Okay. Addiction is not like a common cold, it doesn't go away. You don't, you don't cure it. It's yep. a lifelong struggle for people, right? So if we abandoned them at the time of cessation, we would be doing them a disservice. So what we're calling our post-addiction plan is essentially clean oils or a placebo effect. So if they're at a party, maybe they're drinking, they can continue to use our device to curb that nicotine urge they may have. And, you know, just, just use it as, as time goes on, but potentially maybe they will eventually throw our product away. Furthermore, as we raise capital, we do want to look at spending some money in R&D to potentially introduce maybe nootropics or alternative oils. So we yep. can kind of take people on this beautiful journey from an unhealthy lifestyle to actually helping them live better day-to-day -day life. Got it. As this pitch is playing out, I'm in the other room listening in, and I can't figure out if it's going extremely well or extremely poorly. As soon as an investor asks a question, Josh whips out this super concise, well-thought-out answer. And then investors, they don't even have a follow-up question. They're just like, cool. I'm not sure how to read this pitch. It doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. Here's Charles getting down to business. What is the cost to the customer and a cessation yeah. re regimen? Is it always paid for by the customer? Is there an insurance angle? Uh, we want to be able to price it so that you can buy it over the counter like CVS or Walgreens. Very similar to the gums and the patches. Yeah. Looking to price our device for around $59 or $69. Okay. And then a monthly subscription for around $30 to $40, which includes the replacement pods. So cost to the consumer shouldn't be that high. Insurance shouldn't be necessary. Okay. Uh, and then how long do you expect a customer to stay with the product? On average, about 12 months. Uh, okay. So we should get around $375 per customer. And the cost to us is around $85 to $125. Got it. 
to, um, to acquire the customer or no product? just for, for uh, what they're going to buy and your plan is it sounds like to go direct to consumer yeah direct to consumer online and over the counter is or is anyone else doing this have you seen what's what's the closest comparison yeah nothing that we've seen that's exactly like what we're trying to do there's uh, one company based in france but uh, they obviously can't sell here and they they've kind of missed the boat on where uh e-cigarette design is going it's a very large kind of modded vape uh, we've purchased their product uh, just it's not working at the moment so can you tell me more about like in your conversations with the fda given all the issues yeah. around jewel and <laughs> other pod like, what's the current thinking around sort of relationships with regulators and sort of what best practices are yeah i think the regulatory winds are actually at our back so the agency has held public hearings on how to sort of stop this epidemic uh, of vaping and the, especially in the teenage uh, demographic so we've actually spoken to them about a prescription pathway for our product <laughs> under 18. go to the doctor get it prescribed for your teenager in regards to like jewel and all those products they're addiction alternatives and they're not really truly helping people quit their nicotine addiction and we're not going down the path that they're going down that's tobacco that's nothing to do with us we're going down a regulatory pathway that has to deal with drugs and medical devices so i think you know the agency sees our product hopefully in a in a positive light and what the technology should have been instead of what it is today what, and can you tell me a bit more what is the timeline like for the on the FDA side just so we yeah, have a yeah. picture sure. for that? Uh, so our preclinical studies we're anticipating taking six to eight months. Uh, post that, we submit what's called an IND to the FDA, Investigational mm -hmm. New Drug. Uh, they have 30 days to respond. IND, FDA, preclinical, phase ones and twos, etc. All the investors hear is this is going to be a long journey through the regulation swamp that Josh will have to slog through before his product ever sees the light of day. And even that's not a guarantee. They may never get approval to sell in the U.S. And this is Josh's positive spin on the process. The best he can do is guess as to how long this will all take. So total time to market, estimating around 36 months. Well, it does seem like a lot. Obviously, you know, uh, the more time and capital you spend in this, the agency does reward you on the, on the end of this. So yeah. they, they have like three to five year exclusivity if we were to get approval and things of that nature. And how much money do you think you need to get there and get the product to market? Yeah, we've, we've already estimated costs for our uh, phase one trial. It's $500,000 to run that trial. From a CRO, we'll probably in the next six to eight months after we've done our preclinical studies, raise a seed round of around $4 million. That will take us through our phase one. And then post that, probably look at one more raise. Uh, depends on the cost of the trial and how many patients we're going to do, but anywhere from probably another five to $10 million to, to raise. Did you consider launching in another country where you, you have a easier regulatory system? So, yeah, we've looked at other countries. The, uh, every different country has its own <laughs> regulatory body, and it's, it's quite complicated. And for us, you know, being here, being on the ground, we felt that it, once we get through the FDA, it's kind of the biggest stamp of approval. Sure, yeah. And then from there, we can leverage the data and science we've already created here and go into other countries. It's a different model like, than, than we're used to because yeah. we're not, like, not bio-investors. So like, thinking through mm -hmm. that process is a unique one. Like, it's... I don't think I've never invested in a company that couldn't get a product to market for three years. Three years is a lot of time for things to go wrong. And that's a risk that's making the investors pretty wary. But they're also intrigued by a good idea and a sharp founder. When we come back, we'll see if they get over their fear of the unknown. This is so far out of my world, man. <laughs> I've, I've never smoked in my life, never touched this stuff. It's, Good for you. <laughs> I have no idea what any of this means. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all 
they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. The investors are doing their best to understand Hava's business model by asking Josh to look into the future just a little bit. Here's Charles. What do you think is the end game path for this company? I mean, given that you sort of are at that intersection of tech where I think the path forward is known and bio, sort of bio-biotech where the path's a little different. Like, what do you, can you help me envision what the end state might look like? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two, two sort of uh, exit opportunities mm-hmm. for us. One would be that if we successfully complete a phase one trial, Big Pharma will come knocking potentially at that yeah. point. And they have a well-oiled machine to kind of take this through this whole process. Um, if not, we're not building for that. We're building to bring this to market. So that's not even in our mindset. Uh, the second route is that we bring this to market and look at how much value we could create from there. And I'm sure you've seen that, you know, biotech companies go public prior to it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going, going to market. So if, we have, if we're on a good trajectory and we believe the regulatory wins are our back, that's a potential option as well. Cool. This is so far out of my world. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've never smoked in my life, never touched this stuff. It's, good for you. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's, but it, like, I mean, on the, on the one hand, I'm like, I'm like rooting you on because I know a lot of people that struggle to come out of this. My, my grandparents, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's such a crazy addiction. And uh, then on the other end, I'm like, I have no idea what, I, what I'd even do with it. Um, so I'm just saying. I'm cheering you on, but I have no idea what any of this means. <laughs> can you can you tell me are there any restrictions or prohibitions or challenges with marketing this project this product digitally? Uh, aside from the regulatory aspect, and you know, once we once we get past the regulatory aspect, we can make pretty ma- powerful marketing claims. Mm-hmm. You know, saying that our product is eight times more likely to help you quit over the current leading nicotine replacement therapy. So once we get through there, we can pretty much say anything we want. That current vapes or e-cigarettes are just not allowed to say. It's awesome. We're actually investors in a company Lucy. that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, given that closeness, hmm. um, I, I'm I'm going to hold off, right. but obviously, very much believe in in the mission of what you're trying to do within smoking cessation. And I think all of these different paths to it, I think, are a big part of the solution. Thank you. Nimi is out, as she's already invested in a direct competitor to Hava, a startup called Lucy, which sells nicotine gum as a subscription. Now, here's Charles. See, I'm torn on this one. We've had a strict sort of no tobacco, no cannabis policy, a precursor Mm -hmm. since I started the fund. And I think for the most part, I've been happy to have set both of those markets out. This is the first thing I've seen where I think it's not a wink, wink cessation product, but like actually interested in addressing the problem. Exactly. Um, So I've never had to really sit down and think about under what circumstances would we say yes to a product that I think could actually address and we have I have a ton of smokers in my family, so it's a very personally relevant problem. For uh, now, for now I'm gonna pass, but I wanna follow up with you and see if I could come up with a because th- I'd have to explain sort of to my investors why we've mm-hmm. decided to change our yeah. rules and stance on both of those categories. Mm-hmm. 
so I, I don't know if this will give you any comfort, but we have two advisors. Uh, one's uh, Dr. Thomas Brandon from the Moffitt Cancer Center, and he's mm-hmm. been approached by large e-cigarette companies yeah. and rebuffed all of them. Uh, so what we did in his advisory agreement, you know, we made it explicitly clear that we're a smoking cessation product mm-hmm. and we will never take capital from big tobacco. And we have been approached by certain big tobacco oh, companies yeah. about that. So we've rebuffed them. Awesome. Thank you. It's great, man. I'm going to pass as well, but uh, but I mean, only for my own ignorance, right? Like I'm, I'm stoked for you. I'm stoked that, that a product like this will exist. Uh, excited for it to get on the other side of all the regulation stuff and for people to start using it. Thank you. Um, tell me about the round. So you, you closed around pre-seed round. Yes. What, was it, what was the cap valuation? Four million. Cap. Four million. And, mm-hmm. w- and what are you suggesting that, that I would invest in? Uh, I would say to go up to a six million cap just so we don't dilute ourselves uh, too significantly. Can you help me with who your existing investors are? Are they folks in the bio- in the biotech space? Uh, no, no one, no one directly in the biotech space as far as funds are concerned. Okay, um, cool. I, I I like what you're doing. Um, it's pretty off thesis for me, but I've looked from afar at at Jewel Playout and actually have have thought a lot about in my. I always start with the lens of like, is this making a building a better world? And so many times I struggle with it. We talked a little bit about like Lucy and like other other um, smoking cessation products I've struggled with because I wonder if people get addicted to those. So I, I really like what you're doing. Um, I'd like to write like a small personal check of like 25K. Sure. If you could fit me into the previous round. Yep. Okay. We can probably do something. Like that. Okay. Sounds good. All right. I'm in. Really nice job. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate awesome. it. I think you, you really had a strong pitch that's why this is so short yeah you like addressed all the questions like right off the bat he's got the power stance right now if you could see this i just really like the fact that i thought your answers were really crisp yeah not a lot of not a lot of fluff just to the point so thank you 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 know what you know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) josh takes off with twenty five thousand dollars from shield after just 20 minutes in the pitch room, which is unheard of on this show. A short pitch usually equates to a failed pitch. But what was even more striking to me was that Scheel invested knowing full well that he'd have to wait at least three years before Josh could even think about making any money. It's a huge risk. But that you decided to invest despite that, why? Yeah, and it's a huge risk. I don't know how to price it and I haven't done it before, so. I was a little bit, um, I wish that he had other biotech investors, which he didn't really, but I felt like I liked him. His answers were crisp. I feel like he has a good sense of, of where this is going. The price seems reasonable enough for the potential. So yeah. So bet on the founder. Bet on the founder. The only other question I guess I have is around the whole, his delivery and just the speed at which he gave you the answer and then just shut up. I was like, what is going on? Is this guy a robot? He's, he's either good or really bad. Yeah, I think anytime like what what I'm looking for is somebody who can clearly articulate and define their vision and why they're going to win. And it's important because that's how you raise money. But then also like he has to convince the FDA, he has to convince future employees. So when I see that, I get excited. After the break, six months have passed, and in that time, e-cigs have been getting a bad rap in the news. So we asked Josh what it's like building a company in the midst of a media firestorm. That's coming up in just a moment. 
This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Six months after his pitch to investors, we got Josh Israel on the phone. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing pretty well. You know, uh, a lot a lot happened in the news around what we're working on, kind of the industry that we're working in. So a little stressed, but it's a good stress. Since Josh's time in the pitch room, vaping was in the news a lot. Over 2,000 people were hospitalized and over 40 people died because of vaping. How have those events and the increased scrutiny on vaping affected you? I think both positively and negatively. If you look at nicotine-based vapes, there hasn't been any directly related health uh, crisis or crises that have sprung up because of them. It's all been linked to THC and vitamin E or vitamin A acetate uh, and the THC kind of black market pods. The product that we're building, our North Star metric, is smoking cessation, nicotine de-addiction. We are not these other guys trying to sell to teenagers. We are not an addiction alternative, and we're certainly not a THC-based vape. Our product has to pass through non-clinical clinical trials for safety and efficacy. So right. once it is FDA approved, it, it's for certain that it's not going to cause these major health issues that we're seeing in the news. Right. And you're saying like Juul and these other e-cigarette companies, they are not FDA certified at all. And they don't have to go through any of that. They haven't done any any tests at all, right? It was like a pretty much uh-huh. a free-for-all pre-2016 where anybody could release a product and they were grandfathered in. So obviously, like, you're able to clearly make the argument why you're different. Um, But I guess I'm curious, like, how has it affected conversations with investors or even conversations with the FDA? Like, what's changed for you? I get calls, I get emails. They're just like, oh, we saw this on the news. Are are we at risk? Or is this gonna is this gonna affect the time the market? And so, you know, every single person is basically after every single news news item comes out, I get an <laughs> oh, no. email, I get a phone call about it. Right. So I went so far as to send out a general update like a few weeks ago to all our investors, trying to answer every single question that I've gotten, like an FAQ. Like, here, yeah. here you guys go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Before like you yeah, hit everything's send okay. on that email you've been working on. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And I know you're typing furiously there, but, you know, don't panic. We're going to figure our way around this. Yeah. And have you been able to successfully talk investors down or or are they still concerned? Yeah, I think the the problems that we will face will be more around regulatory scrutiny with the FDA. So I think that's where we're going to face our issues is really around explaining the regulatory process and, you know, how we can maybe speed up that timeline and lower the cost to market. That's what you've been up against all along, right? 100%, yeah. So Josh is still fighting the good fight, assuring investors that the three-year FDA approval timeline will be well worth the wait. But as for the investor on our show who we already convinced, Sheil Manat, well, his 25K check is in the bank. He also introduced Josh to another investor who put in 200K. Not bad. And it totally makes up for the fact 
that Josh never heard back from Charles Hudson. But he's got bigger fish to fry. He spoke to some experts who've been through the FDA approval process before, and they told him, don't put all your eggs in the FDA basket. Have you thought about launching first internationally? So there's potentially Europe, potentially Canada. The regulations are a little more relaxed in the UK. Um, they actually look favorably upon e-cigarettes and vaporizers over there. It's not just to bring it to market there, but more importantly, once it's commercially available in the market that we do choose, we'll be able to start running clinical trials and generate clinical data, which we can leverage and bring back to the FDA uh -huh. and say, hey, look, our product's yeah. safe. It's effective in humans. Take a strong look at this. So that's what's been happening. Nothing's set in stone yet, but we're moving in the right direction. So you're saying you might delay the FDA approval process, go out and do clinical trials in another country, and then come back and get your FDA approval, like ultimately faster because you've got those clinical trials. Potentially, yeah. Having clinical data in humans obviously is much more powerful than having nothing. Than rabbits? Than rabbits mm. or rats <laughs> or, mice. or pigs or dogs, exactly. The one final thing I'm guess I'm kind of still struck with is just how wildly different your business is from anything we've had on the show before. Is it weird, like, doing a thing where, like, you can't just go to the market? Like, you can't just, like, there's something very freeing about, I guess, capitalism and being able to just put a product out in the market and letting them give you feedback on whether they like it. But what you're building here, it's like you have to go an entirely different route. What is that even like? You know, I think as an entrepreneur, if you want something to exist in the market and you're convinced it has to exist, no barrier really is too high and you're going to try to transcend that barrier. And to be perfectly honest with you, we were naive when we started it. We said, oh yeah, we'll build this and we'll release it. And we didn't realize all sort of the regulatory <laughs> issues, the clinical issues behind it. But you're like, wait, we have to talk to the FDA? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were like, oh man, what did we do here? So Yeah. I, but you didn't ever think of saying, ah, forget it, this is too difficult? No, no, never, never. As soon as, as, soon as we started, we're, we said, we're going to figure this out. One way or another, we're going to figure it out. The Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Kareem Maddox and Heather Rogers. We were edited by Sarah Saracen. Theme music by The Musemaker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder and The Musemaker were mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. And here's our quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. You can follow The Pitch on Spotify and listen for free or find new episodes wherever you listen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. See you then. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, 
living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.